time for the best coverage of the top stories in sports. The Sports Wrap with Jason Page starts now. And a happy Tuesday to you. Thank you, Chad Erickson. Sports Wrap getting started on this Tuesday, November 28th, 2023. David Tepper speaks today in Charlotte. What he said, what he didn't say. Direction of the Panthers is obviously a big conversation. It's Contender Pretender Tuesday, our contenders and pretenders in the NFL. We'll get to that as well. But we start things out with a little bit of college football. Of course, over the weekend, Michigan, a winner over Ohio State. Uh, The college football playoff rankings coming a little clearer every week and Obviously, this weekend, we'll do a lot to to bring that even more into focus. We say hello to our friend Bill Bender, Sporting News college football writer. He does a terrific job uh, for that fine outlet, and he joins us here on the show. You know, I was thinking about this this morning as I was driving to go get my, uh, my usual Starbucks fix. And, you know, to me, Michigan, to, to draw a comparison, Michigan feels a bit like the Eagles this year. You know, we know how good they are. They play up and down sort of to the levels of their competition. We've seen a couple of games this year where they've played down to to some opponents. But every week you look at the end of the game and they have more points than the opposing team. And I've got to be honest, for whatever you want to say about Jim Harbaugh and all this stuff, that team has to be pretty damn well prepared. And I know he's not on, you know, he's, he's allowed to coach during the week and stuff like that, but not on the sideline during the game. To be able to go in and win the three games they did without him on the sideline, you know, some people might say, well, see, they could have won with, they could win without Jim Harbaugh. No, it's the preparation that a Harbaugh brings that allows them to go out there without him and still win these games. Am I wrong? No, I mean, Sharon Moore had himself a day on a Saturday, you know, was well-prepared, was aggressive. He, I think they duped us the last two weeks. And, and you and I talked about it where, oh, he's going to be super conservative. Those two games before Ohio State, 91 runs, 31 passes. They're afraid to put the ball in J.J. McCarthy's hands. Well, J.J. McCarthy made the biggest throw of the game, you know, the one where he put through two defenders through a keyhole to get to Roman Wilson for a touchdown. Uh, they have a – and uh, beyond that, Jason, they have – Leadership, And I know that's a cliche, but when your team is grounded by guys like Blake Corum and J.J. McCarthy and the Zach Zinner who went down, and I could go on, Michael Barrett, they have a very mature player-led team, and those are often the best ones. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree with you on that. Are they? I mean, look, when you, when you consider the schedule, uh, everything, everything we've watched this year, are they the best team in college football right now? I mean, I still think it's Georgia, but I think Michigan would have to prove what I kind of look at it. Okay. What's changed since the last time they played Georgia, what's going to change when they play on the field, when they played Georgia two years ago, and granted that was with an all-star team that most of those guys are on the Eagles now um, on that defense, you could tell early that Michigan really wasn't ready up front and wasn't ready on the perimeter for that. And are they ready for that now? Because Georgia has a lot of the same type pieces. And Michigan's a better team two years. And like I said, much more mature team. J.J. McCarthy played a lot at the end of that game last year, two years ago. And I know that they'll take the experience from that if they can get to it. But those are the two. They could, they're the two teams that could lose this weekend and still get in. I don't think anybody else can really say that. 
That's what I was going to ask you. You know, if if they were to lose somehow, and I don't, I don't think they're going to, but if they were to lose somehow, could could they still get in? And your answer kind of uh, clarifies that for me. Are we looking at a scenario, Bill? Um, because I think Oregon's going to beat Washington. I right. think Oregon's going to win that game. Are we looking at a scenario right now where, uh, uh, I mean, give me give me the layout where the Pac-12 gets a team into the playoff if Oregon wins this weekend? Does, you know, would Alabama have to lose? Florida? Like, is, is there a pathway there? Yeah, I mean, if Oregon wins, I think there's a good chance they get in. I mean, we outlined, I, I outlined like, nine potential scenarios on our site right now. If you want to check those out, yeah. let me, let me just pull those up real quick. Pimp it I, out, I baby. Let's go. But yeah, a lot of them. Now the ones where like the chalk wins. Yeah. So let's say, let's do this one. All the favorites win, including Oregon this weekend. So you end up with Georgia, Michigan, Florida state, all undefeated, Oregon, 12 and one, Texas, 12 and one. You tell me who gets the last spot. I think the ducks do. That's what I keep asking. You know, that's what I keep asking myself is does does Oregon get the last spot? I do. I think so. But, you know, that's that's one of those. They are favored by 10 points. That was amazing to me. Washington won the first game. So, you know, if Washington wins, they're in. I, I don't think there's a scenario where they're left out. Most people Ducks, think, though, and, I, and I've gone back and looked at some. Oregon should have won. Could, could have won that game against Washington. That game's right correct. There. Yeah, I got you. Now, uh, let's do another one. I've got like nine of them. These are all fun to do. Oregon beats Washington. Texas wins. Georgia wins. Michigan wins. Florida State loses. Then you've got Georgia versus Texas. Michigan versus Oregon. And I'll go as far to say that one I just lined out. Georgia versus Texas in the Sugar Bowl. Michigan versus Oregon in the Rose Bowl is probably the most enticing from an eyeball standpoint. Because you get... The two mega brands in Texas and Georgia, Texas going to the SEC. You get Oregon and probably the Heisman Trophy winner at that point, right? You think Bo Nix wins the Heisman if they win this weekend? I kind of mm. do, whether we like it or not. Yeah. And they get Michigan in the Rose, the last true Rose Bowl between a Big Ten and Pac-12 team. Um, let's appease the Alabama sycophants <laughs> out there. Give me, give me something that that gets Alabama into the playoff. I mean, they that obviously it starts with a win, but sure. let's say nobody goes undefeated. This is another fun one. Oregon beats Washington. That would Texas be crazy. Beats, Texas beats Oklahoma State. Alabama beats Georgia. Iowa beats Michigan. Louisville beats Florida State. Then we are left with, count them up, eight one-loss teams for four <laughs> spots. Would be an incredible time to be a fly on the wall in the in the committee room for that one. Let me ask you this to go back to Michigan for a second. And I know we've talked about this quite a bit throughout the season. Let's assume what I think, I think I could see the scenario, whether they win a, whether they win a college football playoff or not, whether they win a national championship or not, I actually could see it both ways now where, where, where Jim Harbaugh leaves. Whether they win it or whether they lose it, because if they lose it, he's going to say, I'm facing suspension next year. I don't want to deal with all the politics of the NCAA. And if he wins, he says, I did what I came to do, and I'm leaving. Am I, am I, am I looking at that wrong? And either way, the program, the fans will still love him. Sure. Right? Like, they, he'll leave on good terms with Michigan, even if he leaves on bad terms with the NCAA. So, you know, I think he's done a lot. He stayed there longer than some people expected him mm. to. 
It's been me. there since 2015. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Sure. And he's accomplished what he in some ways set out to accomplish. They flipped the script on Ohio State. This would be their third straight Big Ten championship. Um, now, can they win a national title with all those things I outlined? If they do, I mean, the rest of the country can say that's tainted and this and that. I don't think one person in Ann Arbor would care. They haven't won that thing since 1997. <laughs> I would agree with you. Um, outside of Oregon, Washington this weekend, where do you see the the best chance for a quote-unquote upset? Um, You know, I... I, I I don't, that's a good question. Probably, I mean, Alabama, Georgia is not an upset to me, so I'll get that off the table. Um, Louisville over Florida State could happen mm. because Florida State's offense was not very good last week. They only had 98 rushing yards. They, you know, Tay Rodemaker was about 50% completion percentage, a little bit over. And they're playing a Louisville team that can score a little bit. Now, I know the Louisville team lost to Kentucky in a wild one last week, but that's an in-state rivalry game. This is an opportunity, and – I don't know. I mean, that would be the second most likely to me, followed closely by, not closely, I mean, if Texas, Oklahoma State, I wouldn't, like, jump out of my chair if that happened because those two teams know each other. Um, Mike Elko to to Texas A&M. It feels like a safe pick. That's kind of the that's kind of the way I look at it. Not not this crazy, you know, pie in the sky higher and not uh drop my drink. Uh and not this um, you know, not this this wildly unsuccessful hire. It just feels like the safe pick to me coming off the Jimbo uh Fisher era. Am I am, how do, how do you view it? Yeah, it feels like a grown-up hire. They're growing up <laughs> over there a little bit. It's a the He's not flashy, and neither was Mark Stoops, who was their coach for about 17 minutes on Twitter the other night. Um, (laughs) I think Mike Elko, how he built that Duke program in such a short time with a no-nonsense formula, with defense, with playing as the underdog, with using the transfer portal, all of those things will benefit Texas A&M because the SEC just got harder uh, with Texas and Oklahoma coming to the state, your your job just got harder at Texas A&M because you have to deal with Texas and Oklahoma again in your conference, not just in your backyard. So I like the hire, and I think his familiarity, his formula might just pay off there. Uh, last one before I let you go, and this might be out of left field a little, so I apologize in advance. Uh, Frank Reich gets fired by the by the Panthers, says he pretty much thinks he's done coaching in the NFL. That, to me, would hint to the fact that he may want to enter the collegiate ranks. Is there a spot that makes sense for somebody like him? Yeah, I mean, like Syracuse, right? Like somewhere like that. Or, I mean, I know he played at Maryland. Now their job isn't open. But, you know, Frank Reich, what a weird situation, by the way. You're not all that far out of left field. I mean, talk about a disaster franchise moment to do all those things. Now, I'll be fair. I want to say one thing since we're on the topic. Yeah, sure. A lot of people are saying they they would have taken Stroud that wouldn't have taken Stroud in April. You know what I mean? They've seen it play out for a month or two, and they're like, yeah, I would totally would have taken Stroud. I, you could check receipts on that. <laughs> I, I think I said they were pretty even, but if you wanted like this, I thought Stroud was the safer of the two prospects, but I still would have gone with Young at number one just to take that shot. But that's just me. That's why I, I uh, talk to you and I don't sit in a GM's office. Yeah, no, and, and Tepper said some really interesting things in his press conference here uh, on Tuesday that, that certainly raised some eyebrows as it relates to all of that. Uh, that franchise is a mess, though. They don't have their number one pick. 
The Bears will get that. Um, the, the Panthers are an absolute train wreck. You know who's not a train wreck? Our friend Bill Bender. He does a terrific job uh, with the Sporting News. Check out his fine college football work. Uh, he is going to be writing feverishly over the next several days uh, with these playoff rankings set to come out tonight. And obviously, all of that is kind of meaningless because this weekend's going to obviously determine a lot of where all of this settles. Bill, good to talk to you, my friend. Be well. Hey, no problem. Thank you. Bill Bender hanging out with us on the show. Sam Yarnell joins us on the other side. We'll get into last night's Monday Night Football game, the Vikings season on the brink, whole bunch more. Sports Wrap continues. Sports Wrap on this Tuesday rolls on. Good to have you with us. Contender Pretender coming up in about 15 minutes. Three contenders, three pretenders from myself and this man, the great Sam Yarnell, hangs out with us every day on the show. Um, so, Sam... Another doozy of a Monday night game. And what did I say? When you and I are of a of a mind on a pick, it just run the other way. We all thought Vikings minus three. It's a lock. There's no way that the Vikings minus three could lose. You did like the under, I will say, though. You loved the under. So and the only thing I liked was minus three. I liked the the prop bets for the quarterbacks to go over. One went over, one went under. Um but man, alive. 12 10 Monday night football game. I I just I, I don't know how the NFL fixes this. I don't know how they do it. But I mean, people you almost have to come to expect that primetime football games are just going to suck. Because that's it feels like whether it's Thursday night, Sunday night, it just doesn't matter. The games just are not good. Last night, another perfect example of this. I'm with you. It was uh, it was a dead under. I, you kind of knew that it was going to be talk after, about no about the sweat. Qu- talk about a no sweat bet. My God. Yeah, yeah. Like end of the first quarter when it was what three nothing or or three three at that point. It was three three at halftime too. So like, yeah, very easy. Who thought Josh Dobbs was going to come out and throw four interceptions? Uh. I mean, that is kind of they and Troy Aikman said it on the broadcast last night. That is kind of the risk you run. When you put your your franchise in the hands of Josh Dobbs, and that's why it kind of flew under the radar when he was in Arizona at the beginning of the season. But it's still disappointing for it to come at this point in the season and for them to still be able to win that game. I mean, he had a wide open Jordan Addison who would have walked in for a touchdown if he just makes a good throw. Uh, So... Very much a bad game for Josh Dobbs. Hopefully he can shake it because I do still have my ticket on the Vikings to make the playoffs. I think they might. We'll get to that in a later segment of the show, though. Last night was tough. Last night is going to be a tough one for them to come back from. And where do the Bears go now, honestly? That's my question. It's a very good question. Yeah, look, they're going to be in Let's just face it. No matter what happens between now and the end of the year, they're going to be in limbo. 
And I think they're going to have to go and assuming they have the top pick in the draft, which they likely will because Carolina is a dumpster fire after firing their head coach yesterday and they're one in 10 and they have the worst record in football and the second worst record in football uh, since David Tepper took over the team as, as their owner a few years ago. You're going to have that top pick. And I don't think there's any way whether no matter what Justin Fields does, over these last, what, five, six games, I don't think they have any other option than to draft Caleb Williams with the top pick in the draft. I, I know you're going to say Marvin Harrison Jr., and, and all of that sounds great, but if Caleb Williams is there, which he obviously will be, and he's willing to go play in Chicago, which is another interesting aspect of this, because him and his team have kind of come out and said they're trying to dictate the terms, a la John Elway, a la... Um, Eli Manning, you know, they're trying to dictate the terms by which he enters the league and sort of pick their team that they want to play for. Assuming all that, and he's, and he's willing to go to Chicago, I think you have to draft Caleb Williams and you figure out the details later as it relates to which one is going to be your starting quarterback and which one you move on from. I, I, I just don't think you have an option if you're the Bears at this point because I don't think there's enough conclusive evidence that Justin Fields can be this team's franchise quarterback by the time we get to the end of this season. Do you trade the first overall pick if you're the Bears? Say the Bears do get the first overall pick because the I agree with you. The Panthers are on their way to a one and whatever one and 16 season now in a 17 game NFL season shout out to Shannon Sharp uh <laughs> I I think it's pretty inevitable at this point that the Bears are gonna wind up with the number one overall pick I think that trading it is a real possibility and how hilarious would that be for a team to have their hands on the number one pick two years in a row and to trade it both years and I think that might be their best outcome I'm and you you're, know, but if you're trading if night, you if you trade away the number one pick. Let's just play this out. If you trade away the number one pick, what you are essentially doing though is trading Caleb Williams. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what you're doing. I, you're not I, trading the number one pick. You're trading Caleb Williams. And in five years, if the Bears are still this dumpster fire of a franchise, this car wreck of a franchise, this clown car of a franchise, and Caleb Williams is throwing you know thirty touchdowns to ten interceptions for. I don't know, pick the franchise of your choice that, that would trade up for that number one pick. It's a disaster for that franchise. You cannot take that chance. I, I just, I don't see it. But the other side of that chance is this, Jason. You draft Caleb Williams. You say you're the team that had the first overall pick two years in a row, got out of it a wide receiver one, a quarterback one, when you already had a quarterback one who proved that he could hold his own to an extent hold in the league. Hold his own is not a Super Bowl winning quarterback, though. But if Caleb Williams is a bust, then you're going to look, twice as bad as if you trade away the pick and he's good for another team. I look, I mean, I, and we could sit here all day and, and sort of play devil's advocate about, you know, who's, who's going to be a bust and who's going to do what is bill Bender just said in our, in our last conversation that, that I just had with him. You know, everybody's talking about, Oh, CJ Stroud. It was such a foregone conclusion. It was a 50, 50 pick. Amongst most consensus football guys, it was a 50-50 pick, Stroud versus Young. And and obviously the Panthers got it horribly wrong with with uh, Bryce Young so far. 
And, and all of these things are are subjective until we see what these guys can do on a on a on an NFL field. But my God, I would hate to be the Chicago Bears and that franchise and that fan base if they were to give up the number one pick with an inconclusive grade at best on Justin Fields thus far in his NFL career and then have Caleb Williams go wind up being a star and Justin Fields wind up being, you know, Jameis Winston kind of bouncing around from team to team as a backup. I just, I don't think they could afford to do that. I think that, I think they're going to go. I, if I had to bet my money on it, I think they're going and getting Caleb Williams with the top pick in the draft. I think it'd be interesting to see what the market would be like. There are a few scenarios that you could play out, right? And it's not necessarily, you know, you could have like a Matt Stafford going to Los Angeles kind of situation where you send, I don't know, send Justin Fields in the first first overall pick to a team with a quarterback for their quarterback, a team that may not be contending. You know, look at, trying to pull the New Orleans Saints, a team that is screwed for five years down the road at the very least. Would you trade Justin Fields for Derek Carr straight up and then try to find another another partner to trade for the first overall pick and go get us a trade the first overall pick to New York Uh, for Garrett Wilson? But aren't you over? Aren't we overthinking this? Sometimes the most logical explanation, it's Occam's razor. Sometimes the most logical explanation is the is the one that, that makes the most sense. And what makes the most sense is drafting the best quarterback in this draft. And it's not best quarterback by a little. Last year, you could have made the argument of Stroud or, or Young and it being 50-50. And, and Will Levis was kind of in, in the periphery of that conversation at one point as well. This isn't even close, Sam. This isn't close. This conversation of best quarterback in this draft, it's not close. And you have the you have the golden ticket. Isn't that what uh, Kevin Costner says in draft day? You got the golden ticket, and you're the Chicago Bears. I think we're overthinking it. Just go and make the pick that makes the most sense, and that's Caleb Williams. All this stuff of, well, you can go and get Derek Carr and trade him for Justin Fields and turn that into a couple of later round picks because you're not getting much more than that for for um, for Justin Fields. Um, you know, I, I just I, I don't see it. I don't see it. I, I think if you're I think if you're this franchise. You go and get Caleb. Williams. It's it's not it's not even the safe pick. It's the smart pick to go and get Caleb Williams and find out what he could do. Even have him compete. Have him compete with 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 Justin Fields. And if Fields is unhappy with that, then you can trade him away. You always have the option of moving Justin Fields. I just And again, a lot of this is predicated on on what Caleb Williams wants to do cuz Caleb Williams does kind of hold all the cards here. He could go back and play another year of college football. It'd be crazy, but he could. But I just I don't see it. I, I just I think the Bears are going to draft him if he uh, makes it known that he wants to play there. If he comes out and says he doesn't want to play for you, then it gets a lot more interesting. I think that a key point that isn't being considered, right, in the whole they got to go with Caleb Williams thing is this year's quarterback class is – miles worse than last year's quarterback class. This year's quarterback class isn't as deep. 
They're not as talented. They don't have the accolades. Caleb Williams won the Heisman last year and has regressed since winning the Heisman against arguably worse competition no, stop in the, the Pac-12. Pac-12. No, you're nuts there. The Pac-12 is a very good conference. It is arguably the deepest conference in all of college football. I will not let you take a dump on the Pac-12. That is a I'm really just, good conference. I'm just talking about I'm just talking about their out-of-conference opponents and Caleb Williams has struggled immensely in every single I think the Pac-12 is a good conference. Washington is a team that will have a very strong argument to be in the college football playoff, yeah, Oregon's going to win say, that game this weekend. Oregon's going to win that game and wind up in the playoff potentially. Oregon's yeah, better than Washington. It'll be interesting. Yeah, well, um, Bo Nix, easy Heisman candidate this year. He's Caleb definitely Williams, in the mix. If they win this weekend, there's a lot of people that think Bo Nix will win the Heisman. I, I'm I'm with those people, and I think if Michael if Washington wins, there needs to be a serious conversation had about Michael Penix, even though he's seemingly fallen out of the conversation over the course of the last three weeks. Um, that all that said, all that said, Caleb Williams has struggled against good teams in the Pac-12. What the hell is there to make me believe that he's not going to struggle against good teams in the NFL? When you look at quarterback classes, too, Justin Fields was in a quarterback class with Trevor Lawrence and Trey Lance and Mac Jones. And after a year, we were ready to call Mac Jones the best quarterback who came out of that class. The evolution, it's a like having the golden ticket one year is so different than having the golden ticket another year. They would have. You know, hindsight 2020, of course. But when we look back on both of these drafts in five years and the Bears having the number one pick in both of them, the obvious answer, I believe, is going to be how did they trade the first overall pick the first year and not go with C.J. Stroud? Because I don't think Caleb Williams is going to be as good in the NFL as C.J. Stroud is. Quite frankly, I think Caleb Williams is on pace to be about a Bryce Young in the NFL. This is not going to age well. Oh, Sam, this is so not going to age well for you. <laughs> you okay, might age Bryce well. You might been... age well because you're a good-looking guy. This this conversation is not going to age well for you. By the way, Patrick Mahomes was 13 and 19 in his collegiate career. How'd that work out? How'd that That's... work out? Patrick Mahomes was very was never in contention for a Heisman. So what? Patrick Mahomes. Caleb Williams is arguing for he won a Heisman a already before he's been drafted. Yeah, yeah okay, that's all fine. I'm just talking stuff. about the physical ability of the guy and what he's shown you he could do on the field. He's already won a Heisman. I mean, come on. Be, what he's shown you he can do on the field is be a college quarterback, and that's totally fine. Bryce Young did the same thing. He's He went on the field and showed you his physical ability was just good enough to win the Heisman, and be a great college quarterback against 18 to 22-year-olds, I guess, in 2023, it's really 18 to 24-year-olds on defense. All good and well. You put him up against real men on defense, it's not going to go well. I'm telling you this right now. He is going to do the same. And I'm, again, not saying Bryce Young is a bust. Not willing to say that yet. Right now, There's been a lot of stuff that's held him back, and we'll get into that later on in the show. But... You look at these two guys, and I don't understand how more people don't see that they're spitting images of each other. Oh, God, no. Caleb Williams is so much so much bigger physically. 
He's so much stronger. I don't stronger. mean physically. But that matters. I mean, you can't just dismiss that. It matters. He looks like a guy who belongs at the position on the field. I mean, and you he can't doesn't just play like that. one. Yes, he, he does. He doesn't play like one. Quarterbacks who can handle it in the NFL don't cry to their mothers in the stands five oh, seconds after the game it. ends. Come Thanks. on. That's it. That's Come enough. On. He's not mature enough to play quarterback in the NFL. He doesn't have the mental acuity. I want a guy that shows me. Defenses. I want a guy that shows me how much it means to him. I mean, the guy, the guy's collegiate career. I mean, look, this is this is impossible to argue with. 21 and 4, 42 and 5, 30 and 5. Come on already. I mean, what more do you want from the guy? Ridiculous. Listen, just, you take man, Jordan you're gonna, This is going to age offense. so poorly. I am taking this segment, and I'm just going to hang it on my wall. I'm just going to hang it on my wall. And every time this guy sticks it in somebody's you-know-what next year, I'm just going to come back and play it. I'm just going to come back and play on the show. We're going to have a segment every week of the NFL season that's just going to be dedicated to replaying this segment every week on the Sports Wrap. That's what we're, that's what we're going to do. <laughs> it's not going to age well for you. I'm telling you. Not going to age well for you. Sam Yarnell. By the way, we didn't even address the topic on the very top of the, the, the upper third of the screen. Are the Vikings done? No. Only because the NFC is so bad. I'll Only because the NFC. Yeah, yeah, I know. You want to get into it into contender pretender, but and I don't want to steal your thunder there. Um, But I don't think the Vikings are done either, and that's just because it, it's just the, the NFC is is so bad compared to the AFC. Although some might argue, well, we'll get into it coming up in contender pretender. So there, we spent all of 30 seconds on the actual topic on the top of the screen because we were talking about the Bears and Caleb Williams and all of that good stuff. Stick around. Contender pretender, the aforementioned contender pretender is coming up. Three contenders, three pretenders from myself and Sam Yarnell. As the sports wrap continues on this Tuesday. Sports wrap continues on this Tuesday. Sammy Arnell. Starring in odds and ends today. He's got something to say about D.C. area professional sports. Is this is it snowing in D.C., Sam? Is that what I heard? Is it snowing there? We have reports of flurries next to the Potomac River, Jason. Sorry. You know what the temperature is going to be in Palm Springs? Today? I don't care about your 70-degree weather. All I want to do is golf, and it's 27 degrees outside. 73. I'm playing PGA West next week, stadium course. Just want to put that in. Stadium course, home of the Amex Championship next uh, in, in uh, January here in Palm Springs. Not Palm Springs, but nearby Palm Springs. So just, want to, just want to put that out there, make you feel a little better. My driving range has heaters. <laughs> It's time for contender. Ah, yes, there it is. It's time for contender pretender, where we give you three teams we love, three teams we don't, 
and give you our rationale for why we feel that way. Sam Yarnell, you are leading things off. All right, Jason, my list is an interesting one this week. As you are already just a little bit privy to based on our green room discussion, my contenders are weird. My first contender this week, the Pittsburgh Steelers. What? Yeah, those Pittsburgh Steelers. I like the way their new offensive coordinator is handling things. It's the first time they've had 400 yards of total offense in a game, I believe, since Donald Trump was president, which is crazy. Uh, The Pittsburgh Steelers could turn things around now. You've got Mike Tomlin, who is going to coach any team, a team without offense even, to a just under 500 record. They'd be 8-9 and nine if they didn't play offense at all. Now you're adding a slight element of offense into it. I think this team could finish with 10, 11, maybe even 12 wins. The Pittsburgh Steelers are playoff contenders to me. They're first on my contenders list. My next contender, the Green Bay Packers. Yep, sticking with the classic franchises so far on the list. I think the Green Bay Packers are playoff contenders. Jordan Love has turned his season around over the course of the last three weeks, which I don't think Packers fans were confident he would be able to do through the first six, seven weeks of the season. The Packers have seemingly gained a lot of confidence in their wide receiving court, and that offense seems to be firing on all cylinders, maybe, if it's the right time for them to be. I think the Green Bay Packers could sneak in to an NFC wildcard spot. And that leads me to my last contender, the Minnesota Vikings. The Minnesota Vikings had a chance to win their Monday night football game against the Chicago Bears. And Josh Dobbs threw four interceptions in that game. And they still had a chance to win with about two minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Josh Dobbs is not going to, Josh Dobbs will throw a lot of interceptions. He's not going to throw four in every game. He's never going to pace nearly 200 interceptions in a year. Never. Uh, The Minnesota Vikings are a team that will scrap to win games. And someone has to be the seventh seed in the NFC this year. It's gonna be the Minnesota Vikings, strictly because someone has to be the seventh seed. The Minnesota Vikings are playoff contenders. They're gonna be the last team in, and you're looking at a three-team division, a three-playoff team division in the NFC North uh, if those three things come to fruition. All right, my pretenders. My first pretender, the Indianapolis Colts. I don't know where we've constructed this narrative that the Colts somehow, since Jonathan Taylor's come back and they've phased out Zach Moss, they're going to somehow turn around their offense and make the play. Come on. They're in a division with two, and they're the third best offense. And they've got Gardner Minshew starting under center the rest of the way. Gardner Minshew is a fun guy. He'll get you seven wins, but he's not going to get you the playoffs. The Indianapolis Colts are probably going to win one or two more games this season. And that's not going to get them in, in the AFC. The AFC is wide open. I will stand, I I will agree with Jason on that. But the Indianapolis Colts are not a team that make the playoffs in 2023. They are playoff contenders to me. Or pretenders. Ah, playoff pretenders. Yes, sorry. This is, they're the first of my pretenders. Yeah, I got you. I was getting ahead of myself because Mm. my second pretender most would say is a contender for everything my second pretender is the kansas city chiefs what come on they are pretenders to repeat as super bowl champions the kansas city chiefs will cruise to the playoffs they'll cruise 
to either a first round victory, if not a first round bye. I think you're looking at them as probably the number one seed in the AFC after how the Ravens have performed recently. But the Kansas City Chiefs are not a team that is built to win a Super Bowl. I think the NFC is going to win the Super Bowl this year strictly because the Kansas City Chiefs are the best team in the AFC and they still have glaring, glaring issues. This is a team that plays offense in one half of every game that they're playing in. For the last three weeks, it was the first half. This past week, it happened to be the second half. But this is a team that chooses their spots. And it's not like they're picking where they choose. It's like they're dealt a hand and they just have to play it. They can't manipulate it at all. The Chiefs are not the Chiefs that we've seen the last years that they've won the Super Bowl or been hands down contenders. The Chiefs have become complacent in their talent almost. The Kansas City Chiefs are Super Bowl repeat pretenders to me. I don't think that they're going to that they have the ability to win the big game this year. My last pretender kind of goes hand in hand with my Vikings pick being a contender, the Seattle Seahawks. I'm tired of seeing Geno Smith start real meaningful NFL games. The Seattle Seahawks are not going to be that seventh seed in the NFC. It's got to be somebody. It does not have to be the Seattle Seahawks. The Seattle Seahawks are playoff pretenders to me. Jason, let's hear your six. All right, Sam. Well, I agree with some of what you had to say. Disagree with some as well. Uh, All right, contender pretender for week 12 or following week 12 in the NFL. Let's start with the contenders. How about the Jacksonville Jaguars? I'm back on the bandwagon, baby. Go Jacksonville. Back-to-back wins after the disappointing loss, uh, getting throttled by the 49ers. By the way, you know what the Jaguars and 49ers have in common, Sam? Same record. They're both eight and three. Both eight and three. Um, you know, I, I still am a believer, and I was talking about this yesterday with Matt Verderam on the show. Somebody's going to upset the apple cart. I don't know if it's going to come out of the AFC or NFC or both, but there's going to be one team that winds up in the Super Bowl that's like, you know, a plus 2,000, plus 3,000 sort of um, team. Now, it's gonna it's some, something, you're, there's going to be an upset a big upset in one of these conferences, if not both. And I am still of the mindset that Jacksonville could be one of those teams. Why? They play well defensively. Why? They're learning how to win. It's not easy. You know, again, year one for for Trevor Lawrence with this team, it was a wash because obviously the Urban Meyer year. It's a lost year. Now you're in, you know, the middle of year two here with Doug Peterson, and all of a sudden this team starts to look like a viable team when we get to the postseason. Again, I'm not saying they're winning a Super Bowl or anything like that, but I think there are a couple of teams that could potentially upset the apple cart uh, as it pertains to what we think of are the favorites. I think Jacksonville is still one of those those teams. I was impressed with them getting the win on the road uh, this weekend in Houston, no matter what you want to say or anybody wants to say about the officiating in that game. Jacksonville Jaguars, team number one. This one might surprise some people based on what we've seen in the news surrounding this team. I'm going with the Cleveland Browns still as a contender. Why? They have a championship defense. Why? And and the caveat to all of this is this. 
if they are smart enough to make the move to Joe Flacco now. Not wait another week. You can't waste any time. You can't waste any time if you're this if you're this um, if you're this Cleveland Browns team. You have got to get Flacco in there now. Not because I think Joe Flacco is some savior. Not because I think Joe Flacco is Joe Flacco of ten years ago. But because Joe Flacco is going to be a capable, competent quarterback who has won a Super Bowl, who knows what it takes and what it doesn't take, more importantly, to win a Super Bowl. See Josh Dobbs. Josh Dobbs is trying to force the ball. Josh Dobbs has never been in this situation in his life. All of a sudden, he's thrust into a position on a team that could still make the playoffs despite losing their star quarterback. Josh Dobbs is trying to do things that Josh Dobbs either can't do or doesn't have to do. And you wind up in a position like they do losing to the Bears last night, 12-10. Joe Flacco's not going to make those mistakes. He's going to stay within his range. It's like the karaoke singer that goes to the bar and tries to sing Celine Dion. No, no, you can't hit those notes, man. You can't hit those notes. Joe Flacco knows what notes he can hit. Joe Flacco knows where the range is in his game. He's going to stay within that game. And if you have him on the field for 60 minutes with that defense, you're going to have a chance to win not just a couple of games. You're going to have a chance to win every game. Joe Flacco at quarterback. Browns are a contender. Uh, Contender number two. Number three, the Denver Broncos. I mean, to, to borrow a phrase from my friend Sam Arnell. Somebody's got to make the playoffs out of the AFC. Somebody's got to be the seventh seed. Well, why not Denver? They're six and five, tied with Indianapolis for that seventh uh, playoff spot, tied with the Texans for that seventh playoff spot. Buffalo's got six wins as well. They're the hottest team in football, along with the Eagles. And and say this to go back to my original argument about Jacksonville and this idea of somebody's going to upset the apple cart. Do you think Kansas City wants to see Russell Wilson and Sean Payton on the other sideline? First playoff game of the postseason? Mm, that's a that is a scary proposition if you're Kansas City. You don't Denver's already beaten you this year. You don't want to see the you don't want to see the Broncos on the other side of the field. Playing with a ton of confidence right now, all of a sudden realizing, oh my God, we're not as sucky as we thought we were. Team that gave up 70 to the Dolphins, a team that lost to the New York Jets. One of the worst franchises in all of sports right now. They're 6-5. and five. Got a chance to make the playoffs. Denver is a contender. And I'm not even going to put a, 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 a label on contender for what. Because I feel like if you just get into the dance this year, you got a shot. Uh, those are my contenders. Pretenders, it's easy. The Pittsburgh Steelers. What are you doing, Sam Yarnell? What are you doing putting the Pittsburgh Steelers in as a contender? This is fool's gold of fool's gold. The Pittsburgh Steelers, who are a minus 23? The Pittsburgh Steelers, who have scored 182 points over the first 11 games of this year? We're putting that Pittsburgh Steelers team just because they fired Matt Canada? We're putting the Pittsburgh Steelers just because they run into a favorable schedule because the week before they play against Joe Burr... Oh, wait. Jake Browning and the Cincinnati Bengals? Come on. Steelers are total frauds. And look, even if they make the playoffs, I'm wrong. You know what? I take it back. 
I, I, I take it back. I said anybody who gets into the postseason's got a shot. I take it back. The Steelers have no shot. None. Kenny Pickett's their starting quarterback. Case closed. Uh, we agree on the Seattle Seahawks. Another team with a minus 20 point differential. Frauds. I don't care what their record says. Geno Smith's been exposed over the course of this season. They might make the playoffs because one to two mediocre or bad teams are going to make the playoffs in the NFC. Go look at the numbers. Can't take this team seriously at any point. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons, my last one. Atlanta Falcons slash, forward slash, the NFC South. It doesn't matter who comes out of that division. They're frauds. I take it back again. Not every team has a shot to make the postseason. Because it doesn't matter who comes out of the NFC South. Whether it's the Falcons, whether it's the Aints, it don't matter. Nobody, nobody out of the NFC South is winning anything this year. Uh, so my contenders, the Jaguars, Cleveland Browns, and Denver Broncos. Where are you, Bernie Kosar? And the Steelers, Seahawks, Atlanta slash NFC South, my pretenders this week. What do you got to say for yourself, Sam Yarnell? What do you have to say for yourself? Speak to me. I, I don't. I, I agree with you on a lot of them. Uh, I think we go the same way. On we've gotten to that point in the season where it's crystallizing. Yeah, things are are much much clearer, much easier to look at. I I think the Steelers. I really think the Steelers have an outside shot. I think the Steelers at this point in the year, the one thing I will say I disagree with you on is the Joe Flacco thing. I think that I think that age has has run its course with him, and his body has his just range. been through a little Again, too much. Knows his range. Just just stay within the lines. You don't have to get fancy. You just have to make the competent throws. DTR couldn't make those throws. PJ Walker's not making those throws. They don't have to go and score thirty five points. If they score 20, they're going to have a chance to win every game with that defense. I th- and I know the, the, but I think the Miles Flacco's Garrett injury is enough. a concern, too. I, I think that Joe Flacco, yes, that too. But but I think Joe Flacco is going to throw enough interceptions returned for touchdowns himself. Because ah. to, that's that's kind of always been his problem, right? Is He, he won't throw a ton of picks, but when he throws Pick picks, six. they get – because he throws quick, short passes, they get returned to the house. So well, some that's of that my had only to do. concern. Here's the thing. Some of that had to do with who he was throwing to with the Jets. He's got a little bit more to work with. I like Njoku. I like Amari Cooper. He has some options offensive. And they can run the football in Cleveland. They can still run the football. They don't have to. They don't need him to, to, to put up 300 yards. If he's, you know, 17 of 24 for 210, and a score with no picks done. Good. Good. That's all you need. That's all you need out of Joe Flacco. I think he could still be that. I, I, and I just don't think that that's realistic at I this hope, point I in hope his he gets a career. Shot. Hope he gets a shot to he'll find get out. A by shot. The way. Oh, he'll, def- he'll definitely get it. I think he'll so. get but it But I hope sure. it's this week because they don't have time to waste. You can't throw away a game with P.J. Walker. Yeah. By the way, shout out, to, uh, shout out to the Delaware uh, program announcing they're moving to FBS. Next season, they're they're moving uh, from uh, FCS to FBS. Yeah, Delaware. It's true. Uh, before we wrap up the segment, if you didn't hear today, and we talked about it yesterday on the show, David Tepper, the owner of the Carolina Panthers, 
um, made some news today. Press conference in Charlotte to talk about the state of affairs with this um, Charlotte uh, Carolina Panthers organization. I almost said Charlotte Panthers organization. And um, take a listen to what David Tepper said regarding his quarterback situation because a lot has been made of what took place in the draft. Um, David Tepper today in front of the Panthers media addressing the issue of what happened at the quarterback position vis-a-vis the draft, whether it was C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young, who wanted who, here is Tepper in his own words earlier today. Um, no, it's been reported and we talked about it. Originally, we were going to go to the number two pick, and, and uh, we thought we'd get C.J. because we thought the Texans were going to pick Bryce. And listen, we preferred Bryce. He was our number one pick. We had a lot of conviction. Um, but, uh, you know, to, in, in answer to your questions, it's just not the way the process was done. The process was done the way the process was done. And Non-existent again, process. Even though if there was a process with five people in the room and, four, and the way the votes came in, it was Frank was the first choice. I always could veto that choice. And even if it was Bryce and the votes came in unanimously in this particular case, I could have vetoed that choice. In both cases, I supported both choices. Okay? <laughs> I'm just going to say that I supported both choices. I supported the coaches. I supported the scouts, their unanimous opinion. Um, and I supported uh, Frank Wright. So um, whatever's good, bad, or indifferent is ultimately because the buck stops here. And I take full responsibility for everything. But that's the way the process runs. And just one last thing, and then we're going to go here. As far as Bryce Young is concerned, I cannot say this, you know, for myself. And I think everybody in this building would share this sentiment. We are totally confident in that pick. Okay, I think the people that made that pick first, um, you know, would be totally confident in that. Um, You know, some of them you could ask. Okay. Okay. and I think the um, and and for me, I'm totally confident in agreeing with that pick. How do you think you're Bryce Young if you're hearing that today? I mean, wow! What a clown! This dude is such a clown. He should have started with. He should have started with. We have every bit of confidence in Bryce Young. And the very next thing you should have said is the buck stops with me. Instead, I got a minute of word salad of, well, Frank wanted this and this person wanted this. And I could have vetoed at any time. And if the moon and stars line up in this way, you could see Venus. And and just, just give us the facts, man. The buck stops with you. You're the owner of the team. Who did you want? Who did Frank want? Just what a mess. And that that franchise it's going to be another half a decade before and, and before everybody says, well, Houston was really bad before. Houston had draft picks to look forward to when you're D'Amico Ryan's. Houston had a future in the draft, and then they even made it a better future on draft day. This team has no future. There's nothing. There is nothing to look forward to right now. If you are a Carolina Panthers fan, nothing. He's mad. Supposedly, David Tepper was mad because a bunch of people, last season ticket holders, sold their tickets in the last couple of home games and basically you know, gave up and sold their season tickets to the road team. I would do the same exact thing if my team was this much of a shit show. And that's what this team is right now. It's a shit show. 
it's amazing to me how much talent has come through that organization over the course course of the past five years alone. Mm. Or let's take it further than that. Let's go back a decade and you think about Cam Newton, MVP, Christian McCaffrey, MVP. Uh, it, it's it. Both of the either one of those players alone, Cam Newton almost did, should have won you a Super Bowl, and you fumbled the bag on both of them. And now you're going to do the same thing with Bryce Young. Now, I was of the belief before the season started, before the draft started, that Bryce Young was not going to be a very good NFL quarterback. Quite frankly, I didn't think him or C.J. Stroud would be very good NFL quarterbacks, so hand up, that's on me. But Bryce Young has been done no favors by the culture around him. And quite frankly, they got to be careful because if they don't fix it fast, they're going to ruin his whole career on it. They're going to do a Zach Wilson with Bryce Young. Here's the problem. There's no fast fix here. There is no fix fast. They're not going to force him. He just bought the team. Guys like this aren't selling this team. He was a minority owner with the Steelers. He's been around the league long enough. He's not not just going to give away this team. It's not going to happen. The best thing he can do, and I saw somebody suggest this, so I don't want to take I don't want to take credit for it, uh, is my own thought, but it was it's a great suggestion. He he should do he should take a page take a page out of Jed York's book. Jed York was very hands on when he got into the into the Forty ers very hands on, and it didn't go well. The Forty ers were bad for a while, and it was when Jed York even said publicly, it wasn't just kind of a quiet thing he was public about the fact that he was going to step back he was going to get a good football mind in there which he did uh with lynch and he took a step back and that organization has been successful granted they haven't won the super bowl uh, but they've been a successful franchise and and certainly a model of what you'd like to have um in this league and the best thing david tepper could do right now is take a page out of Jed York's book. Step aside, get a smart be- uh, smart football mind to oversee the entire operation. Because the hardest thing to do when you come from the business world like Tepper does, the hardest thing in the world to do, when you've built an empire yourself, you've built a fortune with your mind and your abilities, the hardest thing in the world to do for these guys when they take over a football team. You know what it is? Trust other people. Other people. The hardest thing in the world is to is to take something you just spent two billion dollars on, and the idea of handing that off to somebody else to to sort of nurture and grow that thing. That's hard for anybody, and I, I can understand that there would be an adjustment period. But now we've seen the last three years; it's been a disaster in Carolina. And the very first question that was asked in this press conference today, and I wish I had it. The first press conference, the first question that was asked today was essentially, look, you've done it your way for the last few years. You're 30 and 63 or something like that over over whatever it is, the last five years. Isn't it time for you to, to take a look in the mirror and do something different? And he's like, yeah, there's always a little self-reflection and this and that. And it's like, no, dude. No, 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 no. You, you've got to, you've got to, again, you can't turn a ship around overnight. This is an aircraft carrier. You can't turn it around, you know, that fast. But you got to start somewhere. And that somewhere is by saying, you know what? I'm going to go get a great football mind. And, and, you know, we could sit here and try and figure out who that is. 
somebody to oversee this thing from the top, a player personnel, you know, sort of vice president of operations guy. Or we just keep doing the same thing over and over and firing head coaches every year, mid-year. Good luck. And I would bet you that it'll be the latter of what you just mentioned, and I wouldn't be surprised if after the commanders fire Ron Rivera this offseason, he finds his way back to Carolina because he's already proven himself as a head coach that owners can manipulate and do whatever they want with. So why wouldn't Tepper bring him back? So go get yourself a puppet is basically what you're saying. If you're David, if you're, if you're, if you're David Tepper, go get somebody that looks like the face. I'm not saying that he should, but I'm saying it's probably what he will do. And I think Ron Rivera is a great candidate for that. It's a good point. All right. Our man, Sammy Arnell has got something to say. He'll do it in odds and ends next. Welcome back to this Tuesday edition of the show. Busy show. Long show. Sometimes that happens. Thanks to Bill Bender for hanging out with us. It's time for odds and ends. Today I cede the floor. I recognize the gentleman from Virginia, Sam Yarnell. Jason, the people of Washington, D.C., the people of the great district that runs our wonderful country, need to be more upset with their sports. Washington, D.C. sports may be the worst of any large metropolis in the United States, at least the continental United States. Not sure about Hawaii and Alaska or Guam or Puerto Rico. But Washington sports, the state of them is horrible. You look at the Washington, we'll go sport by sport, the Washington Capitals, the greatest one of probably the greatest goal scorer of all time has played for this team for 19 seasons. They have one Stanley Cup Finals appearance to show for it. They've had 17 years of Backstrom and Ovechkin. Again, one Stanley Cup Finals appearance to show for it. uh, Three straight second round exits leading up to that Stanley Cup Finals. Four straight first round exits since that Stanley Cup Finals appearance. For reference, the Penguins have three Stanley Cup championships, including a back-to-back in Sidney Crosby's uh, uh, 19-year career. He and Ovechkin came into the league the same year. The Washington Capitals have absolutely dropped the ball on having the greatest goal scorer in NHL history on their team. They have virtually nothing to show for. The Washington Wizards have been in basketball purgatory for the better part of three decades. They wasted the careers of John Wall, Bradley Beal. They gave Bradley Beal one of the worst contracts in NBA history, and that's just the last 10 years alone. This is a team, an organization, a franchise that has not made a conference finals since the Carter administration. That's right, Jimmy Carter was president the last time the Washington Wizards were in a conference finals. Do I even need to say anything about the football team? The Washington Commanders, a team that has let every good, young, up-and-coming coach in the league go through that organization only to have 
five and a half years of Jay Gruden and four years of Ron Rivera at the helm. By the way, those coaches, Mike McDaniel, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, Matt LaFleur, even Bobby Slowick, who's making his name as a coordinator at this point in his career. By the way, all of those names I just mentioned, they were all part of the coaching staff in 2013 when Mike Shanahan led the commanders, then known as the Redskins, to a 3-13 record. Lastly, the Washington Nationals, I mean, do you even need to say anything? They've traded away Bryce Harper, Trey Turner, Juan Soto, Max Scherzer. And I mean, they traded before that Lucas Giolito, Reynaldo Lopez. This is an organization that is unwilling to pay any sort of inorbitant amount of money to any player since they got burned on the Jason Worth contract, unless that player is going to have a career-ending injury sometime in the next two seasons. See Steven Strasburg for that one. The Lerner family may be the least competent owner of any of the franchises that I've just mentioned, and that's strictly because of the nature of baseball and the owner having so much more say in the moves their franchise makes than basketball, football, or hockey. At the end of the day, the Commanders have had the turnover that they've needed in recent years when you look at Josh Harris and that group becoming the owners and uh, outing Dan Snyder after all of his debauchery as Commander's owner. But Ted Leonsis and Mark Lerner have to be the next ones to go. They're actively holding DC back from the winning culture that it was so accustomed to in the 60s, 70s, and even 80s. Take it with the commanders into the 90s. But since then, the three owners in DC between Dan Snyder, Ted Leonsis, and Mark Lerner could arguably be the three worst in sports. They've single-handedly killed sports in this city, and they've somehow led all four of those teams to be rebuilding at the same time. It doesn't make sense to me, and like I said, Jason, the state of DC sports is horrible right now. Well said. And uh, well documented as well. Sammy Arnell, ladies and gentlemen. And that's how we wrap up this Tuesday edition of the show. By the way, you mentioned uh, Jimmy Carter. Rest in peace, Rosalind Carter, being laid to rest today. Uh, that's going to do it for us. We're back on Thursday, off tomorrow. Um, yeah, we're off tomorrow, back on Thursday uh, for Thursday Night Football. I'm sure there's some craptastic game that we will have to preview. Who knows what will happen between now and then, but we will uh, obviously have it covered for you. For Bill Bender, who joined us from the Sporting News earlier today, and my buddy Sam Yarnell, I am Jason Page. We'll see you back here on Thursday for the Sports Wrap. Have a great day.